Thanks. For those of you who are visiting with us, my name is uh, Ron Cole. I'm one of the pastors here as well, and I'd like to welcome all of you here and, and again, extend that invitation to stick around for a burger and, and to uh, have some fun outside. It actually looks sunny right now, so uh, if we can pray that that lasts till about 1.15, because that's when I'm scheduled to go in the dunk tank. So if we can, uh, rain can come at 1.15, um, but until then it should be good. Now, we're going to have a lot of fun this afternoon, but I actually wanted to start this morning with a, a really serious question. Um, it's a question that I run into as a pastor quite often, and it's one that I'll, uh, I'll ask people. Uh, the question I want to think about is this. What's going to happen when you die? What's going to happen when you die? I don't mean right at the moment of how you're going to, you know, this truck is going to come and I'm, no, I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying, you know, in the moments after you die, what, what's going to happen to you? What's going to happen to you as a pastor? I kind of have permission to ask people that. And, and over the years, I've gotten a lot of different answers. I've gotten this answer from, from some of my family members. Nothing happens. They say, you know, we don't have any eternal soul. We don't have a, a soul that's going to last. When, I, when I, I die, then I go out of existence and my body starts to decay. This world, they say, is all there is, was, and ever will be. And so there's really nothing that happens, okay? So, so it's just don't worry about it, Pastor. Don't talk to me about it because nothing happens. We just die and we go out of existence. I've, I've talked to a few people, not that many in, in West Michigan, but in some travels I've talked to some people who've said that they're going to be reincarnated. They said what they believe is going to happen when they die, their spirit will go into a, another being, another living thing of some sort. And I had one woman who was just praying that she could become a horse. Um, she wanted to run through the fields and just kind of trot around. And that, that was her, her dream, her goal, her prayer, was that she would be reincarnated in, in a horse. And I won't say what I said. Anyway, um, I've had people honestly tell me, I'm going to hell. I believe I'm going to hell. I believe I've lived a bad life. And, and, and the other thing that people tell me about this one, I've had people say to me, look, I don't like Christians on earth. I sure don't want to spend eternity with you. So if you're going to heaven, I'm going to hell. And I'd rather go to hell with, without you than be there in heaven with you. If that's where you're going to be, I don't want to be there because I can't stand Christians. I've had people say, I'm going to hell. A lot of people I've had say, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen when I die. I, I, I've tried to live a good life. I hope I go to heaven. I hope that happens, but I don't really know for sure. And then probably the answer I've heard most often from folks is, yeah, I'm going to heaven. I, I know where I'm going and who I'm going to see. I have a friend named Jesus. He's waiting there for me. It's a song some of us sang when we were younger, right? And, and, and for some of us, we'd say, that's my answer. I know what's going to happen when I die. I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to heaven. But that raises another question, the one that I really want to look at this morning with you, and that is, can we know that? Can, can we know that? Can we sit here this morning and say, I am guaranteed with 100% certainty that I am going to go to heaven when I die? Some Christians say yes. Say, yep, we can absolutely know that. We can have what we call the assurance of our salvation. But there are other Christians who say, no, we can't know that for sure. I can know that if I died today, I would go to heaven, but I don't know, maybe in 20 years I'll stop believing. Maybe in 20 years I'll decide that I'd, I don't believe it anymore and I'll turn away from God. So I don't know about what's going to happen then. Or they'll point to the words of Jesus himself. Jesus in Matthew 7 gave us a, a pretty powerful warning. Verses 22 and 23. Jesus says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy or preach in your name? And in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles. They called themselves Christians. Jesus says, Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me you evil doers evil doers and, and i've had people say no ron we can't know that we're saved because how do i know i'm not one of them how do i know i'm not one of those people who who was faking it how do i know that jesus isn't going to say to me on that day and, and they say well we, we we can't have assurance 
Sometimes we just go through real struggles. Sometimes we have times where we just wonder, can I really know this? Is this really true? Can I really know that I am going to heaven? We're going to ask that question as the first in a series that we're starting this morning. For the next six weeks, we're going to go through this series that's called, I Have a Friend Who? I have a friend who, and then we're going to talk about various questions that a friend of ours might have. I, I, I started this, and we call this series this because I think Daniel would agree with me. We've both had people come to us and approach us, and, and some of the most interesting conversations we have begin when somebody says, I have a friend who. I have a friend who struggles with whether she's, she's really saved, or I have a friend who's thinking about having an abortion, or I have a friend who doesn't really trust the Bible anymore, or I have a friend who, and, and, and people come and they say, what do we do with this? How do we talk about this? And, and I think most of the time there really is such a friend. <laughs> I, I think a lot of times when people come to me and, and, and ask me those kind of questions and say, I got this friend, and, and, and they just, you know, declare that they're, they're homosexual, and I don't know what to do about it, how do I handle that, that there really is such a friend. But sometimes they're saying it's really me. <laughs> I'm struggling with this myself, but I don't dare tell you that I'm struggling, and so I'm going to talk about this friend over here. Well, either way, these are important issues for us to talk about, and for the next six weeks, we're going to pick up on some of the ones that Daniel and I have had people ask us about, times when people have come to us and said, I have this friend, and the first one we're going to start with is really basic, but I have a friend who wonders if she's really saved. I have a friend who is wondering if she's really saved. And what we're going to do through this series and what I want to do this morning is, is I want to kind of talk as if you just come up to me after the service or you call me and, and, and we had lunch together or something and you're telling me, I've got this friend or I've got one of my kids and she's really struggling. She's in a period of doubt right now or he's really struggling and wondering, what do I tell him? And so I'm going to try to answer that question as if you and I are just kind of sitting down and, 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 and talking about that. As I was putting this together, I thought there's one thing that's going to apply across the board for everything. Uh, and, and so I don't know if we'll mention it every week, but the first thing I would tell you in that situation is just listen, okay? J- just listen. The first thing we need to do when people are struggling, whether it's struggling with thinking about having an abortion or struggling with whether they think the Bible is true or struggling with whether they think Jesus really saved them or not, you know, the first thing we've got to do is just listen. Nobody cares. You might know the saying, nobody cares how much we know until they know how much we care. And sometimes the best thing we can do is just be quiet. I think sometimes we as Christians are far too quick to speak. We're far too quick to say, oh, I know what you're talking about, and I give my answer, and I spit out. And the person doesn't listen because we haven't earned the right to speak. And the way we earn the right to speak is by listening to others. And sometimes just doing that is enough. I'm sometimes amazed how people will come and I'll talk to them and, and feel like I haven't said anything. All I've done is listen for 45 minutes and they'll say, oh, thanks so much, you've helped me so much. And I'm thinking, I didn't do anything. And then I realized, no, what I did is I was just the presence of God for them and they talked and, they, and I listened and I cared and I loved. And sometimes that's what people need more than anything else. So first of all, listen in whatever one of these situations that we find ourselves in. One other thing I want to say before I start to talk about the four things that I would say to somebody in this situation is, is the situation I'm talking about, I'm making an assumption, okay? And, and that is I'm talking about somebody who has already made a commitment to Christ. I, I mean, actually, as I, as I thought about it, I thought, you know, the first thing I'm going to say is, well, has the person made that commitment to Christ? Has your friend made that commitment to Christ? Because if they haven't, we've got to make sure we start there. And, and, and so if not, I thought, let me just tell you this. What I do in a situation when somebody comes to me and says, I'm really struggling, sometimes, I'll, I mean, I'll, what I'll do is just kind of say, hey, you, have you made that basic Christian commitment? If they say, I don't know. I'm not sure if I have. I said, well, let me walk you through that. Maybe you did when you were 10. Maybe you didn't when you were 10. But let's do it today. 
Because if you want to do that, this is what it takes. And, and I always talk about the ABCs. The first thing is we admit our sins. If you want to become a Christian, the first thing you've got to do is say, God, I've blown it. I've failed. I've sinned. We admit that we are sinners. The second thing, the B thing, is, is we believe in Jesus. We say, you know what? I put my faith in what Jesus did. I'm not going to trust how many times I've went, gone to church or how, many, how much money I've given. I'm not going to talk about what a good person I am. What I believe is that Jesus died for me and that he takes away my sins. As we just were singing, that Jesus paid it all. So I admit I'm a sinner. I believe in Jesus. And then the third thing is, is I commit to following Jesus. Now, if you kind of notice this, and if you pay attention, you might notice that these are the three questions we talk about on days when we celebrate communion together. We always ask, and we say, you know, do I know I'm a sinner? Have I put my faith in Jesus? And is it my desire, though none of us do it perfectly, is it my desire to follow Jesus? If you say, you know what, that's my heart, that's where I am, then I want to tell you, you belong to Jesus Christ. Now, the question is, can you know you're going to be saved? Can you be sure about that? Can you have an assurance of salvation? Or will you always kind of be struggling and doubting? Four things that I want to say to somebody in that situation, and maybe you want to say to somebody in that situation as well. First one is this. I think it's so important that we communicate this to people. Our doubts and our struggles don't disconnect us from God. Okay, let me say it again. Our doubts and our struggles don't disconnect us from God. I think sometimes we get this idea that, that if I'm struggling in my faith, if I'm saying to God, God, I don't know if you're there right now. God, I, I know I, I gave my heart to you. I know I believe in you, and I really do want to follow you. But honestly, I, I, I feel like my prayers aren't answered. I feel, like, I, I feel like I'm all alone, and I don't know if you're there. And we feel like if we ever said that out loud, and if God ever heard that, or if God ever knew that, God would say, well, fine, then you're not saved right now. But that's not the case. One of the things the Bible shows us over and over and over and over again is people who are struggling to believe. The fact is, I'd suggest that you find nobody in the Bible other than Jesus who fully believes. Everyone else, all the rest of us are struggling. All the rest of us are saying, believe, but I'm struggling as well. One of my favorite stories comes from the Gospel of Mark. One of my favorite Bible stories comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 21 to 23. What's happening is this. Jesus is is teaching, and a guy comes up to him with his son. And his son has has a, a, a spirit that possesses him, an evil spirit that possesses him. And Jesus says, what does this spirit do to him? How long has he had it? And, and, and the guy says, he's had it a long time. And that spirit has often thrown his son into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And, and, and Jesus picks up on his words. Jesus says, if you can, if you can, you're, you're wondering whether I can do something. Jesus says, everything is possible to him who believes. Okay, now if we just had this much, I'd say, oh man, I'm in trouble. Because I don't always believe enough. I don't always believe 100%. But I love what the guy says next. This is so important for us to understand. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And I hold on to that. Because Jesus healed his son. Jesus does not say to this guy, and we need to get a hold of this. Jesus does not say to this guy, come back to me when you're full of belief. Come back to me when you're 100%. Come back to me when you've got it all together. Jesus says, a little faith will do you. I I will honor that. I will recognize that. And Jesus honors this, and he heals this boy. He casts out this evil spirit. And, 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 And that prayer of the Father has become many times my prayer. Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief, I pray. 
Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Because for most of us, that's where we are. We really do believe. We really do believe. And that is not rain falling on the roof. We really do believe. (laughs) Okay, anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to. That's not good to do. But I mean, we really do believe, but we struggle with it. And, And we wonder about it. And what you need to know is that our doubts don't disconnect us from God. And, and they don't, God doesn't turn our, his back on us when we, when we doubt, when we struggle, when we're not 100% sure. There's a whole book, a whole letter in the New Testament. The letter of 1 John is written to people who are struggling, who are struggling with, with really believing and really knowing that they belong to Jesus Christ. They were Christians, but they were struggling. And look at what John says who wrote this letter. 1 John 5, verse 13. And, and we're going to use a lot of 1 John for the rest of the message. But John says this. He says, I write these things to you who believe. Okay, so they are believers. They belong to Jesus Christ. They've admitted, they've believed, and they've committed. I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Why? So that you may know. So that you may know that you have eternal life. Okay, So what John is saying here is, I know you believe. I know you've prayed that prayer. I know you're trying to follow Jesus. But what I want you to have is assurance. And, and what he talks in this letter is how they can have assurance. What, how they can know. And how we can know that we really do belong to Jesus Christ. How we can know that we will go to heaven when we die. How we can have that assurance. It's interesting to think about the setting they were in. Because it seems that what was happening in this church to whom John was writing is there were some people who were having certain kinds of experiences. We might call them Gnostics is one of the names. Don't worry about that. But, but they were having these experiences. And, and, and what they were saying to other Christians was, well, unless you have the experience that I had, Unless you experience what I did, I, I was in this time of prayer and I had this experience like this and, and now I know I'm a Christian. So if you don't have that, you're probably not a Christian. And so there's all these people saying, I don't know. And John says, no, you can know. And it's not based on that experience. It's not based on that, that, that thing that you felt sometime over there. And, and, and he says, no, it's based on something else. And, and, and I think about it because I, I had somebody just a couple of weeks ago, uh, just a couple of months ago now, come to me and say that, that, that she had a good friend who said, you know, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not a Christian. I don't know if you've ever had anybody say that to you. But there are people who will tell you that. If you don't speak in tongues, if you don't do this, then you're not a Christian. This is how you know you're a Christian because you speak in tongues. This is how you know you're a Christian because you raise your hand in worship. Or this is how you know you're a Christian. And you know what? It's not those things. It's not those things. So we need to understand that I I think many of us, some of us don't, and that's great. That's a blessing when we don't. But for many of us, we go through times of doubt, and our doubts and struggles don't disconnect us from God. Like I say, the Bible is full of pictures of people who say, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. It's always partial, okay? So what do we say? How do we we handle it? What do we say to ourselves? The next thing, the second thing I want to say is the most important one. This is the one that trumps everything else. And for me, this is what gives me that assurance, okay? And, and it's this. The source of our assurance is God, not me, okay? The reason I know that I'm going to go to heaven someday is not because of my faith. It's not because I'm such a good believer. It's not because I'm holding on to God so tightly. The reason I know I'm going to go to heaven is because God is holding on to me. I put my life in his hands, and he has promised me that he will not let me go. And that's why I say I can sleep at night. That's why I have that assurance. John talks about this, about how it's God who's come to us. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, 
Not that we loved him, not that we grabbed onto him, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. John says, faith is accepting that God is holding on to me, okay? But the reality, the first step is always God's, and it's God who's holding on to me. And when John writes these words, I think he was thinking of words that he wrote in his gospel that Jesus himself said, John 10. John writes these words, quoting Jesus, John 10, 27 to 30. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. We've believed in Jesus. And then these words, this is where for me, this is a key verse on assurance. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Okay, no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given to me them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. See, here's the deal. For, for too many of us, what, what we think about in faith, and when I find people are struggling, they're saying, I just don't know if I can hang on. And that's the image we have, is that I'm trying to hang on to God just by my fingernails there, just by my fingertips. I am just trying to hang on to God. But I think what the Bible teaches us over and over again is that it's God who's holding on to us. And our assurance is not because I know I'm not going to blow it, because I am going to blow it. But our assurance is that God is holding on to us. And I love this picture so much more of just crawling and, and, and sitting in God's hands. And, and sometimes I'll pray and I say, God, I don't, I don't feel it right now. God, I don't, I don't feel it, but I trust your promises. I trust what you've said. And I know I've genuinely given myself to you, and I know that you will take care of me. And, and again, that, that statement of he who carries you will not let you fail. It's God who's holding on to us. If your image is saying, I'm sure because I got such a good grip on God, you are not sure. But if you say, because I'm sure because God has got such a firm grip on me, then I can be sure. Paul talks about this in 2 Timothy 1 verse 12. That is why I'm suffering as I am, he says. Yet there is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that I am able, no, I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Paul's confidence was in God. Paul's confidence was in Jesus Christ. And that's where our confidence needs to be. When you find yourselves in a struggle, when you find yourselves in a time of doubt, just remind yourself, return to these promises. Go to Romans 8, the end of Romans 8, where it says, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can take us out of our hands, John, out of his hands. John 10, these are the passages that give me assurance what gives me hope what gives me assurance is not that I'm holding on to God it's not me it's not my experience but it is God there's a the source of our assurance is God not me there's an old confession of faith that our church holds to it's almost 400 years old 395 Um, it's called the canons of Dort, and we don't talk about it all that much in church here but but I love what it says about this it says this 400 years ago, they wrote these words. Accordingly, this assurance of our salvation does not derive from some private revelation beyond or outside of the word. It's not that I had this experience that that I can know I'm sure, but I have assurance from faith in the promises of God which are very plentifully revealed in the word for our comfort. I stand on the promises of God. The source of our assurance is God, all right? Now, Christians have recognized from the very beginning. I mean, you find this in Romans. Paul, in the very beginning, said, there's something dangerous about saying this, right? If I say I'm confident because I know God's never going to let me go, does that mean I can live however I please, right? I, I mean, if I know that God won't let me go, does that mean it doesn't matter how I live? If I know I'm going to go to heaven, does that mean I can live like, well, something else? Right? Why not? Huh? Because God's never going to let me go. Nothing can snatch me out of his hand so I can go do whatever I want. 
the writers of the Cans of the Door thought about that and said, no, if you think that, you've missed it. In, in fact, I would tell you, if you think that, then you've never understood God's grace and you've got to really examine your heart, okay? Again, I love the way they put this. This assurance of perseverance, however, so far from making true believers proud and carnally self-assured, not worried about how we live, is rather the true root of humility, of childlike respect, of genuine godliness, of endurance in every conflict, of fervent prayers, of steadfastness and cross-bearing and in confessing the truth and of well-founded joy in God. See, what they're saying, and I think the Bible says it over and over again, is God works out of love, not fear. And God comes to us and he promises us and he says, I'm never going to let you go. And if we can ever grasp that, if we can ever understand how much God loves us, then, then, then we will say, God, please never let me go anywhere else. I, I don't want to not run away from God because I'm afraid. I want to not run away from God because there's nobody like our God. There is nobody who loves us that way. There is nobody who can hold us that way. And if I understand that he's never going to let me go, if I understand that he loves me that much, again, if you have parents who loved you in that way, then you know that what really drives you is not fear, but love. I I mean, there's a part of me that's still afraid of disappointing my dad. But more than anything else, I know how much he loves me, and I'm driven more by love for him to to just try to honor him and and thank him for what he's done for me. And and it's a hundred times more with my heavenly father. And and so it's not the case. Say, hey, I know I'm going to heaven. Because God's promised me that, that I say I don't care how I live. It, it gives me passion and desire. So that, that's where it is. I think for me, the, the, the source of our faith, of assurance, is the promises of God. But that doesn't completely answer our question, okay? Because there's another question that comes up. I can know that God will hold on to those who are saved, but how do I know I'm one of them? <laughs> right? I mean, I can say, yeah, I know God is never going to let go of one of those who are saved, but how do I know I'm one of those who are saved? How do I know that I'm one of those? Well, again, th- this is, I, I want to say, you know, we got to get a little subjective here. I wish I could just make it objective. I wish I could say, you go get an MRI, and if there's an X right here, you're saved, and you don't have to worry about it. But it isn't like that. There are, there are some objective things. Again, mostly, I want to say this morning, trust God. If you have admitted, believed, and committed If you've done those things, if you've made a commitment to Christ, then you belong to him, and he loves you, and he's not going to let you go. But there are some indicators we can look at, and that leads me to the last two things I want to say. There are some indicators we can look at to say, you know, this reminds me, this assures me, this helps me to know this at a deeper way. My first trust is in God's promises. But the third thing I want to say here is the Holy Spirit also helps us to know that we are saved, okay? Look at what John says. A couple of places, 1 John 3, verse 24. And this is how we know, right? For John, very important that he wrote this book so we could know. This is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. We know it because the spirit is alive in us. 1 John 4, 13, this is how we know, okay? This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. That God gave us his Holy Spirit that is alive in us. And one of the things the Holy Spirit does, Paul in Romans 8, verse 16 says this, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit in our lives encourages us and challenges us and convicts us and teaches us, but the Holy Spirit also assures us. I know it's subjective. I know it's a little bit mysterious, but it's real. I was talking to a guy a couple of weeks ago, and uh, the guy has, has been he's a crazy kind of guy he doesn't go here but but uh, he's the guy who helps us with our pool and and I, I think he lost a fair amount of brain cells in the 60s um some of you know what that means but uh, he's he's kind of been out there 
But, but whenever I come in, I'm Pastor Ron, and he talks about his church, and he talks about, and, and just this last time I was here, he said, I got to go to a funeral. He said, I'm not afraid to die. He said, you know, when you belong to Jesus, you just know. He said, you just know. He said, I just know that I'm going to be okay, not because of anything I've done. He said, it's not because of that, but I know that Jesus is holding on to me. And I thought, that's the Holy Spirit. That, that's, what, that's what this is talking about. That's what Paul was talking about in Romans 8 when he said that the Spirit testifies with our spirit. So I, 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 like I say, I wish I could give you an MRI and say, yeah, you got the mark. But, but I'd encourage you to just slow down and say, God, you know what? I could really use some assurance right now. And open yourself up and say, Spirit, please just speak to me. Now, I, I, again, the promises of God are what we stand on, but that's a gift sometimes. The canons, or while we're having fun with them, let's, let's recognize it. They go on. Accordingly, this assurance does not re- derive from some private revelation beyond or outside the word, but from, first of all, faith in the promises of God, second, from the testimony of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, testifying with our spirit that we are God's children and heirs. So the Holy Spirit helps us to know that we are saved. And, and like I say, I, I, I know this one's subjective, but just... just have those times and say, God, I, I, I would just love it. I, I, and if you open yourself up, if we seek God, the Bible says, he, we will find him. And, and, and he will open himself up and remind us of, of who he is and open ourselves up. So, so we'll, yeah, we look first to the promises of God. Say, you know, God's promised. I've, I've committed to him, and, and I know he's going to take care of me. And then we say, and, and I have the spirit inside of me. I know that. And then one other place we can look to kind of deepen our assurance. Again, primarily God's word, then the Holy Spirit. And then this third one, which is a little less subjective, but still somewhat subjective. And it's this, if I belong to Jesus, my life will begin to show evidence. Okay. If I belong to Jesus, I'll start to show what we call the fruit of the spirit. First John two says this, we know there, that word is again, happens a lot in John, first John, we know that we have come to know him. How if we keep his commandments. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Now, none of us do that perfectly. John in chapter 1 says, if you claim to be without sin, you deceive yourselves. So none of us do it perfectly. So it's kind of like, well, do I do it enough? How do I know? I can't give you, again, an objective test, but you can look at your heart and honestly say, God, is that my passion? Is it my desire? Do you genuinely want to live like Jesus? 1 John 3, 23 and 24. This is his command to believe, or B of ABC, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded C, uh, as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. Again, maybe John was thinking about words of Jesus from John 13 that he himself wrote. A new command I give you. John heard Jesus say this. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone, not just you, but everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And, and, and so I put up that, that tree that's got the fruit of the Spirit, and the first one is love. And so part of what I think we ask ourselves is, is there fruit in my life? Do I find myself growing in love? Do I find, and again, none of us are perfect, and all of us are going to blow it, and all of us are going to make mistakes. But is there genuine desire in my heart is my life being changed again let's look at what the canons say about this accordingly this assurance does not derive from some private revelation beyond or outside the word but from faith in the promises of god number one mainly second from the testimony of the holy spirit and third finally from a serious and holy pursuit of a clear conscience and of good works i I can't tell you whether you have that let me pull that back I, i i think 
and, and we'll talk about this in a second, but I think others can kind of say, yeah, I see that in you, Ron. I see a genuine desire. But I, I think we need to recognize it's not always getting it right as much as, as what is our heart, what is our desire. Sometimes when I have people come to me and say, you know, I, I, I'm struggling. I don't know whether to do A or B. And I say, you know what, I'm not sure which is right, but I think what's most important to God is that your desire is to, is to do what God wants you to do. Thomas Merton um, became a Christian as an adult. He's passed away now. But he, he wrote a book called Thoughts in Solitude. And in that book, he wrote this prayer. He says, my Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I, I love his honesty. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. I, I, and the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. Think about that. That's so helpful to remember. The desire. I'm not always going to know exactly what God wants me to do. But I can say, God, that is my desire. Whatever it is, that is my desire. And in some ways, I think God is more pleased about that. Think of, again, your kids. You're not always upset about whether they get it exactly right or not. But if you know that their passion is to do what you want them to do, then you say, that's what I'm looking for more than anything else. And that's what God is. And so Merton says, God, may may I always have that desire? He goes on, and I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. God, if that's my heart, I know you'll take me where you want me to go. Therefore, will I always trust you, or will I trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death? I will not fear for you are ever with me. Again, that sense of assurance. And you will never leave me to face my perils alone. And, and, and so when it comes to this test, when it comes to that question of saying, is there obedience? I, 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 again, I'd ask you to say, you know what, is that my sincere desire? Because I think it's, it's more about the desire than about, uh, about I mean, we've got to carry through on it. It's not just words. But I can't always know exactly what I'm supposed to do. But is it my genuine desire? And, and, and so those four things. Maybe you're in a time of struggle right now. Maybe you're not. Maybe you do have a friend who's in this time of struggle. But I'll tell you if you are, I want you to just hold on to those four things. Um, you know, you got to just know that it's okay to doubt. It's okay to struggle. You got to know that our source of assurance is, is God, not us. The Holy Spirit helps us to know we are saved. And if I belong to Jesus, my life will begin to show evidence. I want to just real quick backtrack a minute and, and, and a couple of things to do on that last one. Ask God to help us be brutally honest with ourselves, okay? If, you're, if you say, you know what, I want that assurance, just say, God, please show me. God, help me to be honest with myself. And, and I think it's so important that we do that, to recognize that. And then, and then the second thing there is find a trusted friend, all right? And say, do you see this in me? I had somebody come up to me after the service, and she said, I've been really struggling with this. And I'll say, you know, I, I can't see in your heart, but I sure see the way that you love others. And I gotta believe that's Jesus at work. And so find somebody you trust who will be honest to say, you know, I, I sometimes wonder because it doesn't seem like you take this very seriously. But find somebody who can do that. So hold on to those things, okay? Hold on to those things. The fact is God doesn't want us to, to live in, 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 in worry and anxiety all the time. And, and so more than anything else, if you remember anything this morning, I want you to remember this. When you struggle, remember that it's God who will never let go through the calm and through the storm. That's how I know not because of what I do, because God never lets go. Let's pray together. Father, 
you, you want us to know, not just to believe, but to know. And so I pray for anybody right now who's struggling, who's genuinely struggling with whether they belong to you. Lord, I pray if they've never made that commitment that you will send your spirit to convict them. Lord, that right now you'll tell them that, that they need to make that commitment, that they need to admit their sins, believe in Jesus, and commit to following you. And Lord, for those who have made that commitment, who belong to you, whom you're never going to let go of, Father, give us your spirit to calm us down and to give us that assurance so that we can know that it's okay because you're never going to let us go. You'll never let us go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you please stand to receive God's parting word of blessing? Once again, following our service, Kevin's going to talk to me right now. Okay, yes. Cool. All right, well, it did start to rain.